yeah, okay. I'm really hoping, eh, I'm really hoping I'm recording now. I can't, I can't tell. Why can I, I I'd like to, I, this is very weird. I can't, yeah, I you're, can't you, tell you, you are recording. recording What's that? You are recording on that. You should be on your top. Yes, I am recording. Okay. All right. Now I see. Yeah. It's just uh, I, I I click share screen in case it proved useful, but not, we're we're recording now. I can see that. Yeah. We're also so you, I think you might be able to see my screen. Possibly, I'm not sure. Yeah, I can see your screen perfectly. Sweet. Okay. Um. Well, let's close that down. I still have not seen his website yet, uh, 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 Michelle. Sorry, I have not visited his website yet, the Michelle. Uh, yeah, uh, well, you, you could you could be on there for days because I mean he's he's been he's been in the he's been in the business for thirty years, and he's he's got he's got material in there going back, I would say at least twenty years. So wow. Uh, and it takes uh, some of it is transcript is transcribed podcasts, so it's um, you know it takes it takes a long uh, a lot of reading. Yeah, uh, well, and you could I mean it's all mind blowing stuff. So it, you'll be on there for days. <laughs> yeah, I look forward. <laughs> to you got about do it when you got a moment free or on a Sunday or something like that. Um, yeah. Right, I'm just trying to get rid of all the uh, all the extraneous material here. Cool. I should ask you too, what is this week has been since we last talked last Thursday? Um, I just want to know your opinion, then not to go off topic uh, of the coronavirus. What's your what's your take? Um Yeah, it, it's um this is I mean, to some extent, it's the kind of thing that I think governments love um, because it allows them to spread fear and to, and to cater to people's fears. Um, not, not, not to suggest that this is, is not a thing. Uh, I'm sure it is. And people who have uh, been ill with it uh, would, you know, don't want, would, would like to, anybody to, to think, to, you know, to minimize what they've been through. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, it, the radio and the, the news here is just full of it. It's the first thing on every newscast. It occupies at least 10 minutes. Sometimes during an hour long newscast, they'll, they'll go back to it two or three times. Um, and it's, it's the kind of thing that I think governments and, and, uh, the big, uh, news networks absolutely love because it allows them to monopolize people's ears and eyeballs. Um, and if they can control what's going on in your head, they can control you. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Um, so I, I don't really, I'm not changing anything that I'm doing. Um, I, wife and I are probably going to stock up a little bit. Um, partly because we, I mean, you know, we've got, uh, one and a half freezers in the house and the, the big freezers sort of about less, a little bit less than half full at the moment. Yeah. We could afford it. It's been fuller before. So we'll probably stock that up so that we've got at least a month's worth of food. And that's, that's good policy generally. Um, 
And my wife works for one of the local food banks. So they have people coming in who are of, you know, are, are hard up and who need food. So that's a very uh, human facing line of work. Uh, and they have a lot of people who have arrived uh, in, in town from Asia not so very long ago. Hmm. Um, so yeah, there is a risk that they might have people coming in. If those people have just been back over to China or Thailand or Italy or wherever, yeah, there's, there's a possible risk. Um, and so they're taking, they're taking steps to, to plan for the future. I don't really think all the fear and the hype is warranted. I think it, it allows, it, it, it's the kind of thing that, um, caters to, to people who make their living by spreading fear. Um, and so in that resent in that, in that sense, uh, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm suspicious. The, 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 apparently the death rate, if you, if, if you're infected, the death rate is about two and a half percent. Right. You yep. know, and the infection rate is, is, is what it's, it's still probably a fraction of a percent. So your chances of, of dying uh, from coronavirus are still probably less than being uh, being hit by a car when you cross the street. Right. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I, I figured it to be a, a good nugget to talk about because you and I have marketing, copywriting um, skills that, show that no you know we have the x-ray vision for this stuff and even the fear from the news is so powerful even on us we're the ones that have the yep. the goggles yeah we're the ones that we're we're the special teams that go in at night and we can see everything and it still had a, had a massive effect on how i how i stripped it all apart and then still was affected by it yeah. and that really should especially for a, a copywriter uh how powerful fear is yes um and i think th this actually speaks to um to, to ethics and morality um as copywriters if you know we have we wield actually considerable power um, because we know how to talk to people's pain points and talk to their fears. And I mean, you know, if I had a client, for example, who, uh, was selling, uh, hand sanitizer, um, or emergency supplies or, or toilet paper, for example, uh, this would be a bonanza, you know, and I could, I could, uh, I can bring coronavirus in and, uh, and really help my customer right now to make a whole lot more, more income. Would that be the right thing to do? Um, you know, I, there's a, there's a part of me would say, mm, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I would want to cap. I would want to maybe, I would want to use the coronavirus, but I certainly don't think at this this stage I would want to uh, uh, to to use it to you know just just you know you got a sore elbow whack in the elbow kind of thing a few times to make them really really hurt. No, 
yeah, the, it, you know, if, if, if it's a curse to know more than what the others know. Yes. Uh, and, and it's dangerous and, it, and, and it's, it's like picking up, uh, it's like stepping into a room full of razor blades and there's some bare spots and you know how to get to those bare spots. And, but how do you want to go back? Do you want to stay where you're at? Or do you want to just say, screw it? Let me just bleed and get out of here because it's just so, um, aggressive and yeah, it's, it's a touchy subject. And sometimes it gets me, I, I don't want to think about it too much. And then I end up using about two hours of my own thinking of what direction, where, where to go with it. Yeah. And then that bleeds into another topic of whatever I'm going to write about. Um, so yeah, connecting those dots is tricky. Um, yeah, uh, it's been a, it's been a really interesting week. So, um, you know, but besides that, you know, the week before, uh, prior to last, I talked to you, have you had any more connections with, um, some other copywriters? Like, you know, you had talked to Perry and John Fancher. No, uh, Michelle. Okay. Not, not in this past week. I, my, my whole priority at the moment is just getting, um, getting my site up. Uh, and I'm, I've got, I've, I've bought a, a domain. I've got uh, WordPress installed. I, I bought Thrive themes. Um, and I'm navigating my way through that. And I, while I, I'm reasonably technical, technically oriented, uh, WordPress has changed a whole lot since, um, I last used it, which must have be at least five or six years ago. Yeah. Uh, and Thrive Themes. Is, so I'm, I'm having to sort of navigate all that. Uh, and, I, you know, if I was, um, I suppose, you know, it's the, I'm, what I'm doing right now is the kind of thing that I will probably offload. Um, I'll, de- and I'll delegate uh, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll buy in next time I'm doing when I'm, when I'm making a bit of cash. Um, but right, right now, I, I, I feel like I, sh- I should at least understand the ins and the outs of that. So that's been my, my priority for last week. Um, as soon as I've got that up, uh, I'm going to be writing. Uh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be posting, I'm going to be writing emails, creating email lists, um, and, uh, and going about the business of, of trying to make some money, um, and actually, you know, help, help people with their own copy. I love that. Um, yeah. So, and, I've been, uh, I've been very much under the radar this past week. Well, that's good. I like that. I think, uh, I think teaching yourself to be a mole or going into your bunker while World War Three is happening, <laughs> is a good time to yeah. uh, uh, not. I, I think I was. Uh, I got caught up into the storm. Um, uh, I don't read the news uh, much at all. And then, what caught my attention was seeing a news article online that had the word coronavirus. Yeah, and it was in red and black. Oh, and just, and just having it in red and black, my, oh, yeah. those, the, the lights start going off and, you know, it, when you see just symbols of, uh, 
of words, words are, are symbols and they're, they're, they're emotions. They're not just a word. There's something behind the word yeah. uh, a feeling, but then adding in this dimension of color and how much it means to us and how it can trigger. I mean, red means stop. Uh, danger. Danger. Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the stuff that flows in our veins is red. Um, when when we see red in our body you know we we panic whoa i'm bleeding to death yeah um there's all there's reason for that yeah and um and like so when i got your email it struck me when you said uh sir uh saint francis of assisi's at seek first to understand and then to be understood yeah i think that's that's super powerful in copy or in just in in life in general absolutely oh yeah yeah um i mean really really the stuff i've that i've got down here how to talk to a client's copywriter you, you is um most of this is is pretty uh you could apply to how to talk to just about anybody about anything for any reason yeah um is that you know if you if you really want to learn to build an enduring sustainable connection with another human being um then that mantra by saint francis is i i could, you could almost almost remove everything else i've written there um and if if, if you ran with that you'd be you'd have 90 percent of what you need um you know, it's because human beings, rightly or wrongly, are we, we all tend to be selfish, and we desperately want to be heard. We want to be understood. So, if you, as the adult in the room, walk in willing to suspend your own agenda and your own interests, and say, "All right, this is okay. This now, this is all about you. I'm listening. What's got you upset?" What's keeping you awake at night? What's worrying you to death? Tell me. Now you don't ask it. You don't ask those questions like that because human be you know we we sort of have developed this these defense mechanisms so that when everybody when you know when anybody sits down and he says right tell me all about your pain. Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. You know we. You have to. You you ask. You sort of get at the, the answer to that question by going around around the forest, around the tree, around the mountain, um, and you you start off very often innocuously enough about something that has absolutely nothing to do with 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 anybody's pain at all, um, and along the way, almost inevitably, as the conversation starts. You know, you'll you'll see you'll you'll there'll be a hook in almost every sentence. There's a there's a little hook somewhere. It might just be a single word, or a single single phrase, turn of phrase, or even just even just a raise of the eyebrows. You know, um, a slight inflection given to a certain word, a cadence somewhere. They go, oh, that's interesting. There's a story. There's 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 a story there. Um, what? Why why do you say that? Ah, okay, and and and. And that gets so they respond, um, and it's to and fro. Um, 
And the other thing I suppose it's always useful when, when, when you're seeking first to understand is, is rather than saying, tell me about your pain points, is, is, is ask a question. This is, this is sort of the reason I like to try. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be um, sort of presenting myself as the questions and persuasion guy. Um, because there's incredible power in asking um, a very, very very well-crafted question. Uh, And and, and a question that doesn't have have a quick and easy answer. Um, In fact, the best questions uh, are ones that don't really have any answer. Um, The best questions lead to even better questions. Yes. And if you can if you can start a conversation off with some some kind of question that makes somebody sit back and think, mm, bingo, now you're in. Yep. Now you're in. Uh, and they're inevitably what you get back, unless unless the other party is um, has really got their 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 defenses up for whatever reason. And that's that happens. Um, that will almost inevitably kick a conversation off, and along the way, you'll start to hear you'll start to hear the hooks. You know, they'll they'll hook you with something that 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 they say, and that will trigger another question. You know, and, and the back and forth goes on. Um, so that's where you know I say seek first to understand. Yep. Um, and along once once you've got that that rapport established, and you're starting to oh, okay, that's why. That's what's bugging you. That's what's. That's why you guys are having problems. That's why your boss asked me to call you. Okay, and this is making sense now. Um, and I can, I, I get it. I can see why this is. This is causing you problems. Um, you've, you've got, you've got a means in. Um, now the next one I got down there, um, zero sum or positive sum. Uh, this is something I've, I've sort of been batting around in the back of my head for weeks, months, um, and I got it um, by reading um, something by um, Paul Rosenberg, this, this free man's perspective guy. Um, and he, he's talking about eight, you know, the, the ancient civilizations in, in Mesopotamia, in the, in the Middle East. Um, the, the, the earliest known settlements actually were, they were extremely peaceful. There's no evidence that, you know, in the excavations that they've, they've done that there was any kind of violence um, going on at all. These people seemed to have, they, and they had developed quite elaborate arts. They developed a technology for creating art. They developed technology for agriculture. Um, and they had figured out that by working together, you do that because you're really, really good at that. You're better than I am, but I'll do this because that, that I know how to do it. We'll work together. We'll each cater to our own strengths and fortes we can create something that is far, far bigger than the sum of the whole. Two plus two equals five or six, not four. Uh, if you, and they had, they had developed, they had figured out to think that way. But other um, people around the, you know, the surrounding regions were nomads who were traveling through very, very arid places and they could sometimes go for weeks before coming across an oasis or any, any, any kind of a water well. Um, and they had to, they possibly because of you know oases and wells in the desert are not that found every day. Uh, they sort of developed a zero sum mindset, and so when you know if they would get a they when they found a well, they would you know 
take great pains to remember where it was so that when they moved on, they'd be able to get back to it. And then if they did, when they did move on, they counted another set of nomads. They wouldn't tell those other nomads where that well was. <laughs> you know, um, life is zero sum. Uh, if I'm going to win, I have to make sure that you're losing. Uh, if you, so almost now, to some extent, all of us have at least some zero sum mindset in us. Uh, I think it's, it's, Western civilization has, has sort of bred that into us now. The wise amongst us learn to cultivate positive sum thinking. Uh, and even, even, when we, when, even when we have, there's, there's still, well, zero sum is somewhat still latent back there. There's a little bit of us that is still always, always going to be paranoid. Um, and so, it, you know, when you're, so when you're talking to somebody new, you're calling somebody up, especially if he's a copywriter. Um, because you might be out to get his job yeah. or you might be out to steal his thunder. He thinks he's doing a really, really good job with the company. All of a sudden the boss has this other copywriter call him up out of the blue to help out. And he's thinking, hang on, I'm not sure I appreciate this. I, I wanted to do that work myself, you know? So that's zero sum thinking. Um, and you sort of have to, in the, in the course of conversation, figure out, is this guy thinking that way at all? And if so, you, you've got to allow for that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, once you've, once you've built a little bit of a rapport, then you might be able to get him around to, the, around to thinking, no, actually, I'm not out to get your job. I'm out to help. If, what's the you know given that let's talk now what's the stuff you hate doing there's always every everybody's got some stuff even copywriters that write there's there's some aspects of copy that they really can't stand or yeah. it just isn't isn't their thing yep. oh, okay well why don't you let me take that away i do know how to do that pretty well mm -hmm. you know so offload the stuff you don't look and okay oh okay he's not he's not out to, to screw me um and that that takes that that's that takes um, you know a fair amount of emotional intelligence and wisdom to, to sort of see through. I totally um, agree. The next one, you know, is he in, is he introverted or extroverted? Now, I would imagine the most copywriters probably are introverted, and yeah. so it's getting them to talk at all is uh, especially on the phone uh, is not going to be the easiest thing in the world. But not all, they're not always introver introverted. You do get some people that do like to talk, especially, you know, if, and, if, and if it's, you know, towards the, the latter half of the day, they have been locked into a, locked in a cubicle like this. Yep. Um, stop it, tapping away. They're desperate for some kind of social interaction. Ah, bingo, you know, that, that can work to your advantage. Um, yep. But that's the, you know, the next thing to kind of think in the back of your mind. And, and the whole introvert, extrovert question. Sorry, I'm sort of rattling along here. No, um, go ahead. Uh, the you know the introvert extrovert thing actually plays into the next uh, point. There, canoe. Uh, that's just the acronym that I've developed. The, this is um, there's the sort of modern uh, thinking uh, is is that uh, person is that there's there's a there's five factors or five features to a personality: um, and conscientiousness, agreeableness, neuroticism, openness, and extroversion. Um, mm. And so those are the, you know, that's the kind of thing that's sort of keep in the mind when you're listening, when you're listening to somebody, when you're talking to them, how conscientious do they sound? Um, you know, 
Dan Kennedy, I, I know he's been pretty blunt in the past that the, the, the field of copywriting and sales and marketing is rife with charlatans, I think he said at some point. There's a lot of guys that have absolutely zero conscientiousness and they see, you know, there's a sucker born every minute. It's your job to find the suckers and, and rifle them for all they're worth. And, you know, because they're, they're stupid enough to give you their money. Well, great. And off you go to the next customer, the next sucker. Um, <laughs> there are people like that. So that's the kind of thing you want to keep, you want to keep your, your, your detector up for. Um, if you're going to work with somebody like that, you know, I, uh, that's the, that kind of person tends to repel me. Um, I would, I, I, I question whether or not I'd want to work with them. Some people, if you, if you know how to, how to, how to do it, um, yeah, there's, there's carry on. But you just want to be aware that if he's prepared, if he's prepared, if he's prepared to screw uh, customers for all they're worth, he might be prepared to screw you. Exactly. Um, an agreeableness. It's really interesting. Um, when I started jotting these things down yesterday, two guys came to mind, um, and this is this is going back about 20 years now. Uh, and I was working for Airbus at the time. I was I was a lead engineer. Um, and I had, I'd only been there a couple of years and I, but I was in my mid thirties and I guess maybe because I was a little bit older than some of the other, um, coal face engineers, as we call them. Um, I got, I got promoted pretty quickly to lead engineer and I found myself responsible for a small team of about three or four or five engineers, I think. Um, and very shortly thereafter, they decided to totally reorganize the department. Um, and I was told that I was going to get this one particular chap whom I'll just uh, to protect his identity. I'll just call him George. And I'd already sort of been around there long enough to sort of sniff out, um, you know, who, who the, the, the hard workers were in the department and who were not. Uh, most were pretty, pretty conscientious and hardworking, but I, I had, I, I'd heard uh, mutterings about this one particular chap. Um, and they, and I found out after this reorg had happened that, uh, that I'd been, that George had been assigned to me. I went, uh, -huh. I, and even if I had protested, I probably wouldn't have been successful because I was the new boy. I was the new kid on the block. Yeah. Uh, so no, none of the other guys who were well older and more experienced than I were, wherever we're going to, we're going to take him. Um, so I thought, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take George. Um, and I very quickly became aware that the problem with George is he just wouldn't do any work. <laughs> <laughs> he spent his whole day wandering from his desk to the kitchen to make some more coffee and then back drank his coffee, went back and periodically he'd stop and talk with somebody about golf. That was the one thing that would get him animated was golf. <laughs> um, and they did the, the reorg and I, all the desks were being rearranged. And I told, I told whoever was responsible for the, uh, the reorg, I said, right. Okay. You're putting my desk there. That's fine. I want you to make sure George's desk goes right next to mine because I'm going to keep, keep, keep an eye. I want to keep my thumb on him. If he's not producing work and you know, I've got to, I've got to somehow get him to produce work. Um, you know, I, I want him right next to me. I want the trouble right where I can see it. And that was, they said, that's fine. Um, and so for the first, you know, first few days I had George sitting right next to me and I made a point of talking to him, uh, every day regularly. Um, we'd make coffee together and I talked to him about golf. I didn't know much about golf. I don't, I'm not a golfer, but I made a point of talking about golf. 
and an incredible thing happened. All of a sudden, George starts producing work. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's all he needed. Yeah. He just needed someone to talk to. Yes. Someone, someone who related to him on, on his level. Now, the work he was producing wasn't the highest quality stuff in the world, but he was producing more work for me than he produced for anybody else for five years. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I was about 36, 37. This guy was in his 50s. You know, he, he, he'd had all, any enthusiasm for the job he'd ever had and beaten out of him long ago. Um, and, but I discovered, you know, I, I, I could reignite a little bit of that enthusiasm if I just talked to him. He wanted some, it was a bit odd. He was one of these chaps who, um, who never looked you in the eye, you know, when, when you had a conversation. He would always sort of just look a little bit over, the, over, over your head. Um, I don't quite know why, but it, it, it tended to be off-putting to people. You know, and he, he wasn't particularly articulate anyway. But I, I think he was, just strangely enough, I think he was actually extroverted. Uh, despite the fact that he was quiet and, and looked at people, I think he was actually, he wanted to talk. He desperately wanted some conversation. And as soon as you gave him that, he'd start to produce work. Um, and another, another chap uh, I, I worked with as well, a slightly different situation. This guy, I suspect, had Asperger's. Um, and he produced work. There was no problem. And I, he wasn't actually reporting to me. Um, but unfortunately, I was uh, in a position where I needed information that only he could give me. Um, I'll, 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 call him, I'll call him Richard just to protect his identity. Um, and, and he was a prickly character. I, I think he had Asperger's. He, 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 he didn't, uh, you know, his, his people skills were zero. Uh, and he was incredibly prickly as well. If you asked him for anything, he would sometimes just not even, not even acknowledge your presence. And if, or if he did, he would just say, go away, I'm busy, I got stuff to do. Um, and I, and I suddenly realized, oh darn, I'm going to have to go get Richard to give me some stuff and, uh, nobody else will, will go talk to him. Um, engineering companies are, engineers are notorious for, for having low people skills anyway, just being social zeros. And this guy was, was, was a typical example. Um, and one day by total fluke, he dropped by, he was wandering past and he said, have you seen the price of oil? No, what's the price of oil doing? Oh, what? It's, it's just shooting up. Oh, okay. Um, and he, you know, talked about it for a few minutes, and then went back to his desk. And a couple of days later, uh, when I knew I, when I've been putting off talking to him as long as I could, I thought I've got to go talk. I got to go talk to Richard. But I thought I wonder if I'll just maybe do an intro about the price of oil. So I said. What's happened to the price of oil thing? And he was off. You know, I couldn't get him to shut up for 10 minutes. Um, you know, more, more words came out of his mouth than that, you know, about 10 minutes that I had the previous two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and, and then after about 10 minutes, he said, oh, right. That was good. Right, what did you need? And I told him, yeah, fine. I'll have it between five minutes. Cool. Yeah. Yes. And I could get stuff out of Roger, out of Richard. I should say. Um, yeah. And that's, nobody else in the really department could. You know, all, all he wanted to do was talk about his, his particular pet project. Um, and then, he, then you could get cooperation out of him. 
you know, people like that, um, you, know, I, you know, you're going to, I guess I've, I've taken way too long to tell those stories. Oh. When, you're talking to, when you're talking to copywriters, you're going to get some guys that are, that, are, that are disagreeable. They're incredibly good at producing their copy, but they're disagreeable in conversation. And yes. all you have to do is just find where they're, they're, there's, a weak point in, there's a weak point in the wall. And just dig a little bit. Ah, okay. That's what he's, that's what really makes him animated. Bingo. Yes. Um, and you can, you, you, you've built the connection. Yeah. Um, and, and it may not take, I mean, you know, we say how to talk to, I mean, you sort of how to talk to a client's copywriter. I mean, it, this isn't necessarily going to be just one conversation. You might have to make two or three phone calls before yeah. you finally get through. Uh, you know, you actually establish a connection that is going to last. Yes. Um, and you, you, you've earned their trust. And generally speaking, once people um, trust you, you know, people that are notoriously difficult and disagreeable, once they have figured out they can trust you, you've got them for a long time. Yes. Um, you know, then that, 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 that link then becomes a goldmine. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, and the last point I got there, I guess, is just to, you know, switch. Oh, sorry, it's not the last point. Scroll down. Switch on the switch on your pain detector. Um, uh, what I'm thinking is, you sometimes sometimes you you, you do you can figure out what their their pain point is yep. quite quickly on, uh, and it's a big mistake to use that. At least I found it's a big mistake to lead with that, even if you know. Uh, simply because you still haven't trusted, you still haven't established trust. If you use that, the knowledge you have about their pain to sort of educate how you phrase your questions is a far more intelligent way to go. And then along the line, you find out, oh yeah, his wife really does have stage stage four, you know, and it's terminal. Um, and that's and you know, once once you've built built the rapport, you you then you you deal with their pain. And that just that just cements it strengthens the link you've already just built. But if you use it too early, meh, no mistake. At least that's been that's been my experience. Yep. yep. Um, researching on social media, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm you know I'm sort of thinking LinkedIn. It's useful to sort of go on somebody's LinkedIn profile uh, yep. if they have one or their tw Twitter feed. Um, really, all, the, all I find that useful. I don't not terribly useful. Um, it gives me some idea of the kind of experiences they might've had. Um, but again, I found that it's a mistake to actually refer to that. Oh yeah. I researched your LinkedIn profile, talked to all your former clients and colleagues. Oh boy. You know, watch the wall go up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get anything. Yeah. No way. Uh, just use that information to educate, you know, to, to, to bolster your understanding of who they are, but but don't don't mention that. Don't don't use it in any way yep. um, un until they volunteer the information. Mm -hmm. um, trick trick again here to establishing understanding is you're trying to establish a connection in such a way that you leave them in total control. Um, yep. And if, if if you do that, you know you're in. Um, and then you know you can start you can start talking about who their, who their clients are. Um, and this, and I said, you know, it gets, it can get very inception-esque because really you're talking to 
a client that has clients and those clients have clients and you're, you're going way, way, way down multiple rabbit holes. Um, and it, it becomes quite interesting. Uh, you can, but you sometimes can, can forget which rabbit hole you're down. How, how many levels down have you gone? Um, yeah. but you know, that's why I, I guess I say it's, it's, it's useful to always be aware you're going down multiple levels, uh, in, you know, I'm, I'm, there's the, the film inception is what I'm thinking of here. Yeah, it's definitely the uh, multiverse of conversation. Yep. Yep. And, and the last point I got there is five whys. Now, interestingly, I learned about this again when I was, when I was in the engineering world. Um, and when you're, uh, when you're trying to get to the bottom of, of, of some, uh, let's say you've got some system, some highly engineered product, a train, a car, an aircraft that keeps having the same recurring failures or faults of some kind. Um, and you know, they might, they might or might not be safety critical. It might just be embarrassing for the, uh, for, for the operator, but you've got to figure out why do these faults keep occurring? Uh, and you know, that generally speaking as a general rule, it's been found that if you ask why five times, so every time you say, right, what's causing this fault? that thing failed oh okay why did that thing fail ah okay because so and so was supposed to be dealing with this but didn't ah why didn't you keep going down once you get down once you've asked the question why five times typically you've got to a root cause that you can actually do something about um and that, you know, you, using the word why, and you don't have to necessarily frame it as why. It's like, oh, what caused that? It's, but it'll, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to dig and dig yeah. and dig. Um, once you've gone down five levels, you generally have got, it's, it's rare that you haven't uncovered something that allows you to, to establish a, a permanent connection and actually build a plan for, for how you can serve them. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> Does any of that make any sense? Completely. I I totally agree with with everything that you said. It it it, uh, it got me thinking about how uh, uh, if you're if you're in marketing, if you're in copywriting, um, how if you're a father, a spouse, uh, that you are a detective in your conversation. And at the same time, you're a psychologist at the, at, with what conversation and what type of person you're dealing with. Oh, yeah. And being mindful and aware that knowing that what, what they're dealing with, they're going into multiple universes. Uh, their wants, their needs, their fears, and they keep hopping these worlds like, like, a tele, like they're a portal. And they just keep popping in and out while you're having a conversation. And it's, it's really important for you to be aware and see that they're just hopping in and out of what they really want to tell you. And when you, when you practice, and you can do it every day. You can do this with a cashier. You can do this with a librarian when you go check out books. You can do this with the drive-thru when you get your double Whopper at McDonald's. Um, and you're, and you're just 
building the skill and, you know, repetition is the key to everything and getting that gear to run smooth and become comfortable with it and understand that uh, if you're dealing with somebody that has uh, Asperger's, which I don't know much about, um, uh, but like, you know, when I worked in the coal industry, I had a similar coworker that was, had been there for close to 30 years and very quiet. And, you know, this was a 12 hour shift and an hour commute in and an hour commute out. And I, I think in about five years into my coal career, I decided to just sit next to him and start just conversation, just like, Hey, what's up? How's it going? Um, and it was a similar experience to yours, Dave, about, you know, nothing. They just leave me alone, go away. I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. Uh, and then one day, uh, we got to talking about coal prices cause the coal industry is just up and down and now yeah. it's becoming, uh, almost obsolete. I, I assume probably in the next three to five years, it'll, it'll be really, uh, close to gone. Um, but that's what got him off. That got, I'm going to go a little funky here, but it, it got him a big heart on. <laughs> and, and he got to ejaculate all that information. <laughs> yeah. And he found, he found a sweet spot. And I was like that sexy sex worker coming around the corner and he spotted it. And, and he, he fed on it like a hungry vampire. And, and if you can get that skill and find out how to get people off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a, in a safe, in a safe way, not in a, in a, in a, in a an aggressive way, but just, they will always want more. They're getting bored in their minds. They're getting bored in their lifestyle. And, you're not telling them anything new. They just view it as new because it's coming from somebody different. Mm. And when you can see that as an opportunity every day, you will want to leave the house. You will want to go and talk to people. And that's an advantage for a copywriter. That's an advantage for, um, this is not just, this is for anybody that wants to, evolve and go into the next level of their thinking because thinking is hard. Yep. Most of us just want to stick to the circuits and the wiring that is, that is what we know and how we tap into that new world and how we step into the portal and have a, and a sharp an aggressive sword is just using uh, your truth you, you know, being truthful in your journey and exercising the power to, um, uh, to show them that you can get to the bottom. You, you can go into the fire with them. Mm. Okay. And, and building that trust. And most people will not want to go to the, into the fire with them especially if you have a business or a, a service or a product, um, there's people can read so much bullshit so fast now, because in an information age, all I got to do is get on 
Amazon or Google or YouTube and find out are you real or are you not? Or find out are you what? If you're a real, the real deal, the real person. Are you legit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you're a genuine, um, if you're going to be around for a while, and and that that is so powerful to exercise with people at the bottom. Mm. And and they want and when it comes to the the dark days, when it comes to when things are not working out, one of the thoughts in their head that should stick out is, wow, that person really helped me when things were not, when nobody else wanted to help me out. Yeah. And that's exercising truth and power in a, in a, in a great way. I encourage myself to do it and other people to do that. It's hard to do and it's not very sexy. Um, but yes, just getting down into the dirt with them or, or, or saying, Hey, I see there's a really nasty fire ahead, but why don't I just go ahead and go with you and we can do this together. Yeah. Uh, and taking on tasks that as a copywriter and, and a client, you know, man, I don't know if I can do this, but you don't know what you don't know. And the story and the plot thickens when you do go do things that are a little uncomfortable. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever seen any um, uh, documentaries or footage at all of, of uh, ex-Vietnam war vets that uh, have, have come have come back and they've uh, you know made, they've, they've tried to reintegrate back into into a, a normal civil civilian society and then maybe two or three decades later, they, they have a reunion or, or, or they, they get back together. The old squad gets back together. Um, and there is a, I mean, I was going to say there's a camaraderie. Camaraderie doesn't even touch it. Uh, when you have been, been to hell and back with somebody uh, and you've stuck it out, there is a bond there that is for life. Uh, and so when you, you know, and some, some of these, you know, vets, they, they're, they're uh, expert, you know, they're, they're never going to forget those people that, you know, one of them suddenly runs into trouble. They will drop what they're doing and go and go, go to that guy. Cause he was, he was, he's, he's my mate. He, he, he was in my squad. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't Welsh in your mates. Um, and uh, I think the same is true when you when you volunteer to go to the go to the you know go through through somebody else's fire with them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That is that it. If if uh, I think one thing that makes your your passions interesting is to continuously sift through hot ashes and, and moldy stuff and swampy stuff and not stick with old pathetic pro small problems. You know, your stress levels always going to be the same, whether it's the small problem or the big problem, your brain can't really figure, Hey, wow, this is greater than the other. It just knows that this is a problem. This is how I stress out. 
So when you have your client, you should go and search for bigger problems. Yeah. And try to help the world solve those problems because we are we're constantly waking up saying, well, what, what other problem can I solve for myself? And we don't know the answer. And we, it's hard to find people that will say, hey, man, I, armpit to armpit, man, that ahead does not look good, but you know what? We're going to do it. Yeah. And um, it, takes, it starts with a good conversation. It starts with, with research. It starts with being um, uh, a, a, psycholo a psychologist, you know, by, re by reading books on whatever it is that you're after. And, uh, you know, that brings up another topic, you know, the copywriter, should you read copywriting books? Uh, at first I would say in my career, I say, yeah, for sure. Go grab Gary Halpert's newsletters. Um, but now I would suggest reading psychology books. I think those are the, those are the types of books that a copywriter should uh, put on their belt. And, and study. Uh, I don't have any titles or books right off the hand. Um, I'll get a, I'll get a pile, a stack of them, and and, and send them to you. But um, that's that's part of the of the journey. Yeah. And and um, most of the literature is is free. It just takes the the work and the some in psychology from what I've read, some of it's really like you have to go on a journey yourself. You're like, well, am I dealing with this? <laughs> so it scares yeah. people. And then you have to say, well, okay, I'm going to have to go into the fire myself first. And, and one of your, your biggest shields again is, is, uh, you know, using truth. Um, and, and sticking to uh, simple things, not don't don't get complicated. Um, a fire is not complicated; it's just scary. So, um, those are things to keep in mind when when you go about your journey. That logical brain tries to say, "Hey, this is um, there's way more. There's too many steps to this," and the right brain is like what kind of magic sword can I come up with to, or whatever magic carpet can I come up with to take this on? And that's what it takes to get, to marry your left brain with your right brain and make the journey through. Cause if you're too left, if you're too logical um, and you're too rational, you're just not going to connect with people. No. And I would say that you try to be as irrational as you can. Practice that. Try to be as irrational and as wild and as outrageous as you can. Because people need something new <laughs> uh, almost every day. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. Try to be as irrational as you can. Absolutely. Uh, you will have... Uh, I, I don't have all uh, uh, a name off off the top of my head, um, but some of the uh, music artists are have tattoos all over their face. 
Yeah. And some famous people are yelling at Dr. Phil to become the greatest um, uh, you know, she was fighting with her mom. I, I don't remember her name. And, and I'm sure if anybody listens to this, they know who I'm talking about. It was a couple of years back, but the young girl and this is a young girl talking to Dr. Phil. Yeah. And she became, now she's famous. She, she's a, 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 a musical artist. I haven't heard any of her songs, but she has some top hits. Huh. Think about that. That is like, how, what world are we in? And what are, what are the zombies eating? What kind of meat are we feeding them? And regardless if you like it or not, you just have to find out what they're eating and, and begin to talk that language and begin to feed them and build these buckets and troughs full of that entertainment and language and lingo. And that takes you to get into the right brain. Not the logical brain. So yes. it's a puzzle, and it will continue to be a puzzle, and the and the world will continue to be not as we like it. It's just it it is what it is. Whether it's a negative charge or a positive charge, it just is what it is. Now, how we see it, the perspective we put to it, um, that's our advantage as copywriters and as marketers to say, hey, I'm going to frame the world and have you vision the world like this. And your hooks, your headlines, your bullets are soaked and marinated in all of this. And messages, they, they, your, your customer, your client, how many messages are they seeing every day so you know uh, uh there's a copywriter Ivaldo, who's I, I believe he's the top copywriter in the world right now for agora says nobody needs to read your your copy your copy doesn't mean shit i don't have to stop and read your copy yeah so you it, it's important to make your copy superior in whatever niche that you're in and be one that's outrageous, be irrational, be different. And, uh, and things will, will appear shiny and new in their perspective. So what's your thoughts on that? Sorry. What's your thoughts with that process? Um, Pregnant pause. Um, I, I'm going to say I'm going to plead ignorance. I'm not sure. That's good, um, and that's good. I can, you know, I, I, I could, I could, I could be glib and say, you know, be as be as uh, as polarizing as possible. Um, maybe. Yep. You know, may, maybe that's what's required. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm all I can think of is to is to really is, is actually to borrow from something. It, may, it might have been John Carlton who came up with it first. I'm not sure. Uh, it's 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 now I've heard it from a number of places, but it's join the conversation that's going on in 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 your reader's head. Yes. Um, And in, and in fact, you won't be able to join the whole conversation because we're all of us, we've got multiple, multiple conversations going on in our heads all the time, even yeah. during the night. Um, so you won't be able to join all of them, but you, there, there, will, there will be, you know, a, a small handful of conversations that dominate. Uh, can you, can you at least write in such a way as to tempt your reader to leave the door open when they're having the conversation so that you can listen in. Um, and if you're able to get them that far, you're already probably about two thirds of the way in. Um, the, you know, cause you, you, you're still not in the conversation, but you at least know what the conversation is. And that's that really comes comes back to the pain points, um, the pain points that they've got, and then if you can write in such a way as to be able to indicate that you understand the pain, you understand the conversation, and you have a perspective that both affirms their experience while also opens their minds to something that may be better. Or that is better, not maybe. It has to be better, a better perspective, um, a solution that they have not even not even occurred about. Yeah, uh, I think it was John Carlton who coined that that phrase the first time. I'm not positive. I think so. I think you're right. Yep. Um, that that's a that's a skill that that comes with time. Um, I I, th I think probably the older you are, the easier it is because. The, you know, the older you are, the more, the, you know, the more pain and heartbreak you suffer. Um, and so you will, you will be able to, un you will understand the generic kind of pain, even if not the specific application. Um, you know, that's one thing I keep, I keep, you know, I occasionally will hear some youngsters who are sort of grousing about seniors or something like that. Um, the fact that they're slow moving and they are set in their ways. And I always sort of think, yeah, yeah, hang on, hang on. When you get to that age, just about everything, every, everything new that happens is likely to be bad news. Every time the phone rings, it's another friend or another relative that's died. Um, you know, a sibling, maybe another, something like that. Just the, the older you get, the more funerals begin to outweigh the weddings and baptisms, you know. And so every time something new comes along, there's a fair chance it isn't going to be pleasant. Whereas when you're younger, the, the converse is true. You know, you, we enter the world winning. You know, when you're, when you're born, you, got, you, 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 you enter the world with no clothes on. Quick, very quickly, the clothes are given to you. You start gaining weight, so you're winning. You're winning all the time. You know, and you continue to win. You're not really, you don't, you don't really learn about losing until you're probably three or four. I'm not sure that's true necessarily. I suppose people learn about losing at different ages. But as, you know, 
you, you enter the world winning and you leave it losing. At the end, you lose absolutely everything. Um, and if you can, if you can sort of have that in mind, you know, winning and I, mean, I suppose that sort of speaks to the zero sum, positive sum mindset, you know, because um, zero is zero sum. Of course, if, if you if you have a zero sum mindset about absolutely everything, then the older you get, the more paranoid you are about anybody else winning. Because like, oh darn, I've just lost something else. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm sure I've lost it. Um, and if you can. That, you know, that's where I think, you know, when you do encounter some old folks that have still got a really positive outlook, an optimistic outlook on the world, that, that's so refreshing because it's, 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 it's not many of them do. Right. They've lost so much stuff. Um, and they know they're going to lose ultimately. It won't be too long before they lose what the little they do have. Uh, right. Kind of yeah. <clears throat> yeah right. Paris Lampropolis had said, uh, I, I believe it might have been at a, at a Perry Marshall event, maybe at, at Rosetta Stone. Um, uh, adults are, are, are uh, uh, kids in an adult bodies. Kids in adult bodies. Yep. And we're, and we're, wound, and we're wounded. Everyone's wounded in some, some sense or form. Yep. And it affects a lot of their decisions and a lot of their uh, perspective and vision. And, and, and that, uh, it just depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but that thought popped into my head when you said that. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody is playing the game hurt. Yeah. Everybody on the field is, is, is playing injured in some way, shape or form. The question is, are they prepared? What, what's your pain? What's your pain tolerance? Yeah. Can you can you still generate some enthusiasm for the sport, even, even yep. when every bone in your body, every muscle is aching? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. The great the great athletes, this, this using sporting metaphor, which is gets really tired after a while. But the great athletes are the ones that that can still be enthusiastic for for for, for what they're doing, even when every everything in them is uh, their lungs are on fire, their legs are dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what. Uh, I'm, fa- I'm still fascinated by when a, when a five-year-old picks up a pen and, and, you know, as we age, we, we say, this is just a pen. And, and the five-year-old says, are you kidding me? This is Thor's hammer. This is magical. Oh, really? Wow. And they're, and, or they see a broom and it's like, is that a broom? They're riding around the kitchen as if it's a magical horse. And, um, I don't know the whole science on that, but I, maybe it's seven years old where the child uh, stops. Uh, they're not in theta wave anymore, and they're not yeah. starting to itch out of, of being creative. Yeah. And they're starting to see the world as it is and experiencing more cold and more dark. Yeah. This is one of the things that 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 um, I, I this this um, Paul Rosenberg chap that I've met. He had an interesting perspective on why Richard Feynman and Albert Einstein were such great physicists. Because uh, both both of those men, interestingly, when they um, when they came face to face with a child, 
actually had an extremely intelligent and delightful conversation with that child um, because they had they had kept that childlike curiosity and fascination and imagination with them all their lives, whereas most of us give it up. Yes. Um, and they, did, they didn't relate so well to adults, but they could relate very, very well to kids uh, because they still had that curiosity. Absolutely. And, curi and, curi and copywriting curiosity drives. Yeah. Um, finding I, I, a reason for hope, it, it drives people to read more. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm realizing this, you know, th this copywriting thing, I'm, I'm wishing now I picked it up a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, I've, it's been, I've let, I've let it, uh, I'm, I'm, re, I'm recovering my inner child. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think, um, if, if you're, if anybody out there that has journaled, I, I, I did not journal as a, as a child. Um, neither did I. And, but if, if, if a person is, a, they're a copywriter without knowing that they're a copywriter. Or um, if they if they tell stories to their children, or um, they play along at work, or when they're watching a movie, they believe that they're that character, and they get very involved. And they every time they hear the song soundtrack to that movie, they get into the flow state. I think that's a strong part of copywriting, right there, yeah. is uh, recognizing the environment that you're in, and putting the music on, changing the lighting. And people may look at you saying, why are you going so crazy with this? Why, why are you taking it such at a deep level? Are you journaling now? I am. I am. I, How long have you been uh, doing it? When Perry had introduced the 30-day reboot, which was about, well, for me, I don't know when it was released, but the opportunity came to me about two years ago. Okay. Yeah. And I've, and I've just been doing it ever since. The, the It was the same, the same reason for me. I think uh, it was four years ago for me, but it was literally that 30 day reboot that I decided I'd start doing it. Yeah. It, it, and, and it was, and for whatever reason, actually, I don't know why, but, it, but I, it stuck. Yep. Um, 20, 2016, I think was when I started doing it. Um, and, uh, and, and I stuck with it. Uh, and I, I think I'm now working. This is my, Fifth notebook, I think. Um, so it's been just about one a year, and I've gone back occasionally through some of the the, the earliest stuff I, I wrote. Um, that's really fascinating. It is to see that um, because uh, for, for for two reasons. One is I can see very much. It's very much like looking back at the 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 the, the artwork you used to bring home when you were a kid. You know, hey mom, look what I drew today. You know. Um, and she's like, Oh, isn't that cool? And we'll stick that up on the wall. And, and, right. Um, and you look, and now you're looking back at it, think what well, you can, you can see the, the innocence, the, the naivete, but you sure, you sure can remember exactly where you were when you did that. You can, you, you, you can, you still love it. You, you appreciate it. You, you wouldn't do it that way now, but you can remember where you were, uh, and you value that. Um, and, and the second reason is, I, going back to my old stuff, I've discovered um, how much wisdom I poured out on paper. And I was like, whoa, cool. Yeah. I yeah. actually came up with some, I've, I've got some pretty cool ideas. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm actually, I mean, heaven, you know, who'd have thunk it? I'm, I'm actually wise. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm actually smart. Um, Absolutely. We get, we, we get that. I mean, that, you know, that kind of arrogant, that sounds terribly arrogant. You don't say that. No, actually, I, I am. Yeah. You're like, I've got the evidence. I can see it now. I look go back and think, wow, I was actually thinking very wisely. And yeah. I've come up with some, some brilliant thoughts and ideas. And I can, in fact, I, I've written it down in subsequent journals that I could probably take stuff that I wrote four years ago and turn those into, into info products. I'll do that probably. I, I, yeah. I've, um, you know, once I've got this thing up and, go, up and going and I've got a bit of money coming up, I'll, I'll probably take some of that stuff and turn it into some info products. Um, but that's what you do when you start journaling. Um, you, is you begin to discover you actually have incredible, you've got a gold mine of, inf of, of, of value locked up here. Um, and if you let it out on a regular basis, it, it will, it, the gold will show up. It won't all be gold. You know, you go mining gold. I don't know how much, what fraction of the stuff you come out is actually gold. I probably figure it's probably less than 1%. But, um, you know, there'll be dross in there as well and just plain rock, which is useless. But there's gold. Absolutely. And it's, it's a, it, it is the, if, if you can't afford, uh, if you can't afford a therapist, I would, I would say that journaling every morning is yes. the equivalent of $50,000 worth of therapy. Yes. I call it listening to myself. Yes. Um, and if I, if, if I do not give myself the, the chance to, to actually listen to myself and let, let, let myself out into the world, yep. whether the world wants me or not, I let myself out into the world. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that is, that is a little worth a lot of therapy. Actually, I think, um, I think Perry, and uh, when one of his blog posts, Perry Marshall has a, uh, he mentions a story of one, uh, one lady that he and his wife knew who suddenly in, in her mid thirties or something like that hit, uh, suddenly hit some kind of a psychological wall and suddenly started becoming anorexic very quickly. Uh, you, you, have you read that? I have yes, it's yeah. been it's been uh, it's been a few months, but I I do know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, and and basically the thing, I mean, the, the the you know they were everybody around her was was really getting quite worried, uh, and they finally she finally found that by journaling every day, um, she she, she found the solution. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's a, it's, a, it's so mystical. Yeah, I can't I can't stress it enough on for people to just get. Uh, start trusting their own word and get mystical with yourself. Yeah. And, and that, that is a powerful way to uh, reframe your world. If you've had, if you're anorexic, if you're dealing with problems that you don't stop the energy, you just make a little tweak. Yeah. And, and now uh, uh, you, you have a new vision. Yeah. Yep. Well, dude, it's, uh, it's been almost an hour and a quarter. Um, we should probably wrap it up. Um, I'm just wondering what, what we should, do you have any ideas what we should talk about next week? Good question. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh, um, no, no, I'm, I'm just floating it because I haven't thought about it myself yet. Why don't we, why don't we stew on the idea of, since it was so good on both ends, um, uh, I'll, I'll get a, a stack of psycho uh, psychology books. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and, great. And that, and that can just be a slice of what we talk about, um, but it, it, it could be a start. Excellent. Okay. Cool. Psychology books. Very good. This has been good. I'm very grateful, kind sir. Me too. Yeah, this is this is spilling out into. I'm I'm excited for it, and it, it's exercising uh, some of my own thoughts with another copywriter. So yeah, let's keep doing it. Yeah. Excellent. Awesome. Okay, I will uh, send you the transcript as soon as it's. it's I'll, I'll, I won't wait the whole time. I said I said it to transcribing last time, and then totally forgot about it. So no worries. Okay. No worries. I'll send it on. Okay. Great talking to you. Bye-bye.